Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Terrence Wilson, lead pastor of Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. I'm asking you to stand up just for a moment. I I promise you I won't take long. I told you today we're going to have one of the most dynamic communicators in the history of the planet. And yes, I can be that braggadocious about who's coming to the stage. We started a series called last week called Close. Talking about how one close encounter with Jesus can change your life. I, want, I don't know about you. I want to be close to Jesus. How many of you know when I was far from him, he came and got close to me? So we're talking about encounters with Jesus all the way up through Easter. And last week we talked about Mary and Martha. Martha was a worker, but Mary was a worshiper. And she found herself at the feet of Jesus, which in that time in history would have made her a scholar, would have made her a learner, would have made her a student, would have made her a disciple of Jesus. And she was the very first one to preach the good news that Jesus is not dead. He is alive. I love it because we talked about the relationship between a mentor and a student. And the same way that Mary was a student, Jesus was a mentor. And I likened it to the Apostle Paul. He said that his mentor was Gamaliel, a prominent religious man of the time. And Paul found himself in a humble position sitting at the feet of Gamaliel absorbing all of his knowledge and wisdom and thank God that he did because nobody knew more about who God was and God's word than Paul because he had absorbed from his mentor and he writes two-thirds of the New Testament that we read today because he was willing to humble himself. I mean, you know, if you want to learn something, you got to humble yourself. Today, I stand before you as Paul. And Mike Gamaliel is here in the building today. (laughs) But he's so much more than just a mentor. He has been a friend. He's been an ear in some of my darkest, most depressing moments of life. He's been there to provide accountability and sound counsel in every season of me and my family's life. This church definitely wouldn't be where it is if he had not given sound counsel to Joanne and I. His wife, who has already preached here before, Pastor Janine McBath, is also a board member of this church. So they're always giving us sound counsel. But the thing I love about Bishop McBath the most, he has literally preached the gospel all over the world. On any big stage you can think of, he's preached it. But you know, the sermon that he preaches on the pulpit, can't touch the sermon that he preaches with his life. That's why I love him. This guy's an MIT graduate. He won't tell you that. I will. MIT! And he became a pastor. Go figure. Because he has a heart for people. And he's humble. He is the most humble human being I know. He is God-fearing. And he loves and lives this word. And man, I'm so honored today that he gets to see us where we are in this house knowing that he played a huge part in building it. So today, because honor is our calling, everybody give it up for my mentor, my pastor, my friend, Bishop Courtney McBath.
love you, Jesus. Come on, slip those hands up like worshipers and just wave them in his presence. God is so worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. Lord, we thank you for this amazing moment. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Cool Church, it's so good to be with you all this morning. And uh, appreciate you all so much. Your pastor's amazing. He, he has more revelation in a building update than most pastors have in a whole month series of preaching. <laughs> I don't know how he expects anybody to come behind that. Yeah, but we're, we're blessed. And um, I was telling him earlier today that um, I was thinking about how David was facing a plague in Israel. And uh, people were dying everywhere. And so David was told by a prophet, go build an altar. And so he went to a man named Arana who had a rich guy who had some property. And uh, he, said, I, he said, I need this property in order to, uh, to build this, this altar. And Arana says, that's fine. I'll, king, I'll give it to you. And uh, David said, no, we can't do that. He said, I'm going to have to buy it for full price. He said, because I cannot offer to the Lord something that didn't cost me anything. And because he offered the Lord something that he paid for, the plague stopped. Cool church, you all have sacrificed. I mean, from cultural arts center to school to courtyards to football fields to, to drum playing Easter bunnies. I mean, you all have, I mean, and breaking this thing down every week and setting it back up. And some weeks you weren't sure exactly where you'd be and you'd be online, then you'd be in person. But I want to tell you the plague that the enemy thought would take out this city. God's going to give you the authority to shut that plague down because of your willingness to pay the price, because of your willingness to give your all, because of your willingness to go all in. God said, I'm going to stop the plague, and I believe it in Jesus' name. You all are a critical part of what God wants to do in South Florida. God's at work in you. And listen, while you're standing, listen, y'all. If you're upset because I got you standing, trust me, I'll preach two hours, you can rest. But I, listen, I want to say this while we're standing, honestly, y'all, and no, for those of you who visited, I am not going to preach two hours. I'd pass out trying to do that. But can I tell you all, and, and we're going to have a little fun with our pastors, because when God gave us these pastors that we have, he gave us the best. Now, let me say this to you before you clap. Let's talk gifts. Everybody knows at Christmas, you can tell how much you love a person by what you give them. All that stuff about it's the thought that counts. Yeah, until you get a job, it's the thought that counts. And once you got a job, ain't nobody think about your thoughts. Bring me a gift. And there are people in your life that they all get the same thing. You got 12 of them on Amazon. Bam. Done. You got 15 of them at Walmart. Boom. It's done. There are very few people in your life that because of the level of love and the level of honor and the, and the way you treasure them, that you have to get them something very special. How many you know you can't have too many of those people in your life because it'll bankrupt you? And so you can always, if you ever wonder about how much someone loves you, look at the gift 
they give you. If you ever wondered how much God loves you, if you've had any doubts about God's love for you, I want you to look at the gifts that he gave you in your pastors. God gave us the best, the best, the best. The Lord could have put them anywhere in the world and they would have succeeded anywhere, but he loved us right here enough to put them right here. And can we thank God for our pastors this morning? God, we praise you for our leaders. We thank you for their sacrifice. We thank you for their love. We thank you for their family. Thank you for Baba. We thank you for them, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for their parents. Thank you, Lord, for everybody that they love. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Joanne and Pastor Terrence. Thank you that you must really love us to give us someone like them. And we honor them in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, high five your neighbor. You can be seated. I want you all to do something with me. We're going to get in the Word. And uh, listen, y'all. Man, y'all really have church, don't you? Man, we have two services this time. So, man, y'all. Now, but what I want to know is, are y'all staying? All right, cool. All right, as long as y'all staying. All right, all right. Two things. Gifts. I don't sell. I don't, I'm not good at selling stuff, but I like giving stuff away. So, um, so I've got two things I want to I want to give to you. Number one, CourtneyMcBath.com. There are books there that are free. If you go there, you can get them for the cost of shipping and handling. And if you're watching us online and you're international and shipping and handling would be crazy, then we'll send you an electronic copy of it that you can download. But for those of you who live in the states. Uh, we'll get you the book. Some of you already have uh, our, our book, Living at the Next Level. And uh, some of you uh, got it as a gift when you finished your class. And so for those of you who might want one, you can get that for free at CourtneyMcMath.com. If you are a growing leader, if you feel like God is developing your ability to lead, all of us are leaders. We all have influence. That's what leadership is. Uh, one of the things that the Lord has called me to do is to develop, uh, to develop leaders. And it doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. I want to be able to do that. CourtneyMcBath.com will help me to help you to develop as a leader. So, so I serve the body of Christ as kind of a global pastor. I kind of I oversee ministries in different parts of the world. And I also serve as an executive leadership coach. And I'm also serving as a college president. Now, most of you all know me as the pastor of Calvary Revival Church. But y'all, check it out. I'm getting ready to get early release for good behavior. <laughs> That's exactly right. I got, about, I got about 24 months to go, and I am out of there. And uh, y'all, you all love David and Lydia because they've been here, and so, uh, so they, they, they got it. And so, I'm, uh, so we're, I'm on my way out. So I've got all these new jobs now. And so, uh, so I'm, I'll hit 63 this year. And uh, so I'm, did I hear somebody say, you don't look that old. I, hear, I, 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 I thought I, I, I heard you thinking it. Um, 
so, uh, so as a part of that college president role, today I'm going to give two scholarships for the summer session, one male, one female, in Cool Church, full scholarship for summer session. It's all online, so you'll be able to do it. And so the vabiblecollege.edu, you can find out about the, the school and get information. It's fully accredited, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral program. And, and then for, to register for this chance to get the scholarship, if you'll just, there's an email address that's coming up, ojackson at vabiblecollege.edu. If you'll just email my assistant, Omar, where you at, Omar? Stand up real quick. That's Omar. That's my, that's my assistant. So if you email, if you email Omar and uh, say, hey, I want to be in on that thing to get that, uh, that scholarship, then uh, one brother and one sister We'll get that, and then everybody else who wants to get it but maybe doesn't get that will do something special for you too so that uh, we'll find a way to bless you as well because we want you to be blessed. So I just want to, my goal today is to give you all that I can and uh, because uh, I see what God is doing in this house. And you know, when you see something that's, that's not just successful in the world's eyes but something that God has his hand on, you want to stay connected to that. Amen? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't leave here. Stay connected to this. Yeah, yeah, stay connected to this because this house, this church, this, this cool church, this created out of love place, this community that's uh, determined to build strong families and strong futures, this community is a unique community. Your leader and your leadership and the vision here is a unique vision. I'm telling y'all that. I've been around the world. So when I say it's unique, I mean that. I'm not just talking. It's unique. And so what God's going to do here in the days ahead is a unique move of God that's going to happen. This church will become several churches. There'll come a day that you won't have to drive far to find a cool church. There'll be one right in your neighborhood. And because, because God's going to take this thing that you all have and he's going to multiply it and he's going to put it everywhere and God's going to use it and you're going to get to be a part of the ground floor. You ought to shout because you're here at the beginning. God has, God has put you right here at the beginning of this great move. And so, so pastor's been talking about uh, encounters with Jesus and we're going to, we're going to Easter in a couple of weeks, uh, the, the major encounter with Jesus. And so I want to kind of stay in line with that. I'm going to get you all to go with me to Luke chapter 7. I'm going to read this passage of scripture. Uh, it's an interesting one. And while you're going to it, I just want you to look over at somebody and say, get out of your feelings. Do y'all say that down here? Get out your feelings. Okay, all right. We say it. We say it in, you can't say up north. Virginia ain't up north. We say it in Virginia. We say, get out your feelings. Or people say, I was in my, you ever told somebody I was in my feelings? And that means varying things to, to different people. Depends on how saved you are. Look at your neighbor and say, crying or cussing. You know, it means various things to various people. So, but, uh, but it does say to us that emotionally there are some issues. 
And so what I want to say to you when we talk about encounters with Jesus, I want to tell you today in no uncertain terms, Jesus not only wants to save you and that your spirit man or spirit woman is born again, he doesn't just want to save you and that your body is healed, but he wants to save your emotions too. He wants to save your feelings. He wants to save you from your brokenheartedness. He wants to deliver you from past emotional trauma. He wants to have an encounter with you so when you walk away from him, he has dried the tears that have fallen from your eyes and made you whole because not only did he bear my transgressions, not only was he wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities, but he has carried my griefs and my sorrow. I need you to look at somebody and say, come on, get out your feelings. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. We'll talk for a minute or two about why that's important. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion and said, don't cry. I need you to see that Jesus was concerned about the emotional state of the woman. He didn't say, how long has he been dead? What did he have? Uh, 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 What you got left? No, no. He said first words out of his mouth to her, don't cry. He could not ignore her emotional state. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Father, thank you for the reading of scripture. We believe that it is inspired by you. It is an infallible word, and it is profitable for training, for instruction, and preparation for women and men to walk in their purpose. Now release the power of it in this place and deliver us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You all know that for the past two or three years, our entire world has been in emotional chaos. Now, church folk won't admit it, but we've cried more tears than we've ever cried. We've been angrier than we've ever been. And then we were forced to stay at home with ourselves. All my trauma was easy to deal with when I could keep running around and doing stuff and kept it moving. But when I had to sit down and be quiet and stay in the house, I had to face everything that was going on inside me. When suddenly my busyness was no longer the distraction of the day, and suddenly now I had to focus on me, and I had to think about why do I feel this way? Why do I act this way? No wonder so many people were depressed. They had to look at themselves. And it's interesting that the word Nain literally means uh, Green Meadows, beautiful place. It's kind of like, Nain was like Miami. Pastor Joanne said to me when I got out the car, she said, oh, you got a glow on you in South Florida that you ain't never had. That was a nice way of saying, this place will even make an old guy look okay. I think I may do my photo shoot here next time since I look so much better here. But it is, this place makes everybody cute. Y'all know cute is the order of the day in Miami. Y'all better talk back to me. 
But it doesn't matter how cute you are if you're brokenhearted. Doesn't matter how sexy you are if your heart is broken and if you're in trauma. It doesn't matter how many people are attracted to you or how many people follow you or how many text messages you get per day. If when you go to bed at night, you feel the lack of real joy and real peace and a struggle and an up and down. But I got good news for Cool Church. An encounter with Jesus will literally save your soul. Now, the word soul is mind, will, and emotions. That's what soul is. Now, spirit is a part of you that's born again. Uh, a body is what your spirit lives in. Your soul is your emotional capacity, which includes your feelings and your thoughts. Now, I want you to listen carefully to what Jesus told us was the most important command in Mark 12, 29. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God, watch, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so just like the Lord is uh, three parts, the Trinity, he's Father, Son, and Spirit, he created us in triplicate form too. We are spirit, soul, and body. Amen. And he expects us to love us with all that. He wants us to love us from our heart. That means he wants our beliefs to be straight. He wants us to love us from our soul. That means he wants our feelings and our thoughts to be right. And he wants us to love us. He wants us to love him from our body, our strength. That means our actions are correct. Yeah. Now, listen, y'all. I had five kids, and uh, and all five of them went to the orthodontist. I had so many kids go to orthodontist. I asked them, "Do y'all have a buy four get one free program?" Now, Daddy didn't go to the orthodontist, not necessarily didn't need it, but Mama wasn't, didn't have that kind of money. But Daddy didn't go. Daddy's teeth were already relatively straight. But all five kids had issues with teeth being straight. Ortho means straight. Dentist, orthodontist, straight teeth. Dentist is an old Latin word for teeth or bones in the mouth. So the orthodontist is designed to straighten your teeth. And... Usually I preached this recently in churches where everybody had a mask on. So wasn't nobody feeling bad, but I just need you right quick to look at somebody and smile and show them your gap real quick. I need you real quick. Show them, show them, show them your gap real quick. Come on, y'all. Show them your pearly tans. You know you ain't got no mask on. And all of somebody said, I got braces. That's what I'm talking. That's what I had to pay for, y'all. And so there is this straightening that has to happen no matter who your mom and daddy is, no matter where you went to church, every now and then God has to straighten out your belief system. Straighten out your feelings and straighten out your actions. Now, uh, if y'all show them the little chart that we have, a little design, I'll show y'all what that looks like. So we call those, uh, in theology, we call that, we call that orthodoxy. You see that one's on the left, on your right, my left. Orthodoxy, that is ortho-straight, doxy beliefs, straight beliefs. 
And so you got to get your orthodoxy right. And then we have on your left and my right, orthopathy. That's straight feelings. Straight feelings, orthopathy. And then in the yellow, we have the word orthopraxy, which means straight practices. In the middle, you have a cross because where your beliefs and your feelings and your actions line up, that's where growth comes. That's where people see Jesus. They don't see him when your actions are different than your feelings or different than your beliefs. Come on, y'all, don't play me like that because all of us know that we believe in being generous. But all of us know we don't always feel generous, especially when they ask you for the last bite that's got all the mustard in the hamburger. I mean, they want the last bite with the tomato in it. Why didn't you ask me when we started for some hamburger? I done lost all my orthodoxy. I believed in generosity till you asked me for that, and now my orthopathy is off because my feelings are off, and when my feelings are off, my orthopraxy, my practices get off too. That's why Jesus doesn't stop with the heart. He goes straight to the soul because he can't just fix your born-again spirit. He got to sanctify your soul until your thoughts and your will and your emotions start to line up with the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so Jesus, when he meets the woman, he doesn't say, baby, what you believe. He said, baby, I need to deal with your feelings because you don't got in your feelings. And you see, here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't just talk her through her feelings. He goes to the root of the thing that was causing her feelings to be off, which was the loss of her son. So he raises the son and fixes her feelings. Whenever your feelings get off, Jesus will resurrect the thing that the enemies tried to kill in your life, and he'll bring that thing back up so that your feelings can get back on track. Ah, but if you're not willing to talk about where you, what you feel, because you know church folk, you can't admit that you're depressed. You can't admit that you're crying yourself to sleep at night. Did you the Lord is my strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why you with us? We don't know what you're listening to once you get home. Because oftentimes, what happens is our feelings are hidden. Are you all with me? Our feelings are hidden. And in many of our communities of color, even to admit, I need to see a counselor, becomes an issue because, oh, you got to see a counselor? Oh, you crazy? I submit to you that in most cases, it's not the people that went to the counselor that are crazy. It's the ones. I'm going to get my water on that, y'all. So, so, so even the admission that I need healing in my emotions is difficult for us, men and women, to admit to. Some of y'all struggling right now with this message because your pride is messing with you. That's why you having conversations with you and you. All three of y'all talking to each other. This ain't for us, is it? I don't, I think I'm fine in this area. No, our feelings are good. See what? 
something wrong with you if y'all talking to y'all. Ain't nobody in your conversation but y'all three. Cynthia, Sybil, and Carol, they all live in you. Jake, Josh, and Johnny, all three of y'all talking to each other in your head, arguing with me while I'm preaching because the devil does not want you to embrace the fact that there may be some areas of your emotion that God wants to fix for you because he keeps saying, baby, I don't want you to keep crying. Son, I don't want you to keep crying. I want to fix, and your tears may not naturally, may not be open and outward. There may be inward crying that's going on in your life, but I stopped by to tell you that an encounter with Jesus can fix even the broken areas of your life, and you'll never be able to be effective at helping the brokenness in other people until you let him work on the brokenness inside you. Are y'all with me? And, and, and the truth is, most of us are oblivious to who, where we are and who we are emotionally. Where are my moody people at? Where y'all at? Where, oh, I like y'all because y'all bold to say, yeah, I am. Is, are we good today? But, but, but because we are so oblivious to our feelings, we walk into situations, work, church, whatever, totally different than we were yesterday. We were speaking to everybody yesterday. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Can I get some coffee? Today, we're like, get out of my face. And then, but, but here's the problem with that. And then when somebody says something, ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm the same. I'm always the same. That's the statement only moody people have to make. I'm always the same. Anytime you see me, I'm the same. Moody people say that because the rest of us don't have to say that because you can see it. It's like the people who say, I'm just saying this in love. Only hateful people have to say, I'm saying this in love. Because nice people don't have to say that because you feel the love. I'm cussing you out in love. And so many of us are so oblivious. And listen, if you are oblivious to your own emotional state, you can't be very aware of mine. If you're oblivious to your own personal emotional state, then you can't be very aware of mine. And then I'm in trouble with you in this next commandment, the, the love your neighbor as yourself, I think I'll pass. Because if that's how you loving you, I don't want you loving me like you loving you. So I'm going to need you to get your orthodoxy, your orthopathy, and your orthopraxy. I'm going to need you to get all that straight. So then once you can live out the first commandment, so you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul and mind, and with all your strength, now you're going to be able to love your neighbor as yourself and not be hateful because you're getting some stuff together inside yourself. I need you to look at two or three people and say, I know this word is for me today. I need you. It's going to help you just to confess. Confession is good for the soul. So, so, so let's walk it out then, church. Let's talk about it a little bit because what I want to do is I want to give you, I want, I want to answer the question then, how do I get out of my feelings? Because, um, because the widow of Nain had a real issue. Now, many of you already know this, so I'll, I'll be quick. The loss of her son literally tanked her life. 
because she's already a widow. So she's already at the bottom socioeconomic status as a widow because, the, because in that culture, all of her revenue would have come from a husband who's dead. She gets a second chance. She has an almost grown son. So there's an opportunity. If he doesn't marry soon, there's an opportunity that she'll get some revenue back. And then he dies too. In most cases where we as Christians are struggling in our emotions, it's usually the result of a loss of critical relationships. Y'all still love me? It's, it's, still, it's usually most of our stuff is behind a breakup or a death or a divorce or a loss or someone that no longer affirms who we are. Most of them, that's not, that's not all. Even grief is broken emotions over loss. And so the woman represents to Jesus the primary issue of brokenness internally, and that is loss. And she's experienced great loss because grief is natural. It's a process every human being has to go through in loss. The problem with the Christian is because we deny it, it doesn't get to process, which only expands it and makes it last longer. And so rather than just having, rather than just having stress from trauma, we have PTSD. We have post-traumatic stress. So they died 20 years ago. They left you 15 years ago. Y'all broke up in 2017. But you still stressed out. You still in trauma like it just happened, even though it's been years since it happened because you didn't let Jesus touch it when he asked you about it. You said, I'm fine. I don't need no help. I'm good. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And as a result, you extended your grief by years for some of us by decades because we wouldn't stop and let Jesus put his hand on the issue. What would have happened to the widow of Nain if she just said, I'm good, Jesus, I'm fine. Go pray for, go help other people that's really in need because I'm really, I'll be, I'm, I'll be okay. But she was willing to keep crying with him there because rather than lie and say I'm okay, she was honest about where she was. So let me give you three things, and I'll go quickly, that'll help you to get out of your feelings. Number one is learning to forget past failures. Learning to forget past failures. Now, for some of you, you're, all, you're good in this area. Some of you try to convince yourself that you're good, but you're not. Because you're often haunted, even when you pray and even in times of worship, by past failures. The enemy uses that on you because he knows that's a trigger. That's an open spot. You see, what he knows, he can't read your mind, but he can track your history. 
he can't read your mind, but he know he got data. And so that he's got enough data to know that when this thing happened to you, you never brought it to God in prayer. You never came to God or you never consulted with anybody else. You never talked with anybody else. And he knows that, so he knows enough about human nature to know that if you didn't do any of those things, it's probably still an issue. And so he keeps bringing it up, and every time he does, it takes you back into discouragement and depression again. And so what you'll have to do is learn to embrace 2 Corinthians 5 that tells us very clearly that if any woman or if any man is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, old things have passed away, and now everything has become new. Now, before I even, I'm not even talking about, for some of you think, oh, you're trying to tell me that everybody needs to go see a psychiatrist? The fact that you, that the three of y'all inside y'all asking that question is probably, but, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm not even at counselor level yet. I want to start with those of you who are Christians who don't even have a friend that's safe to talk to. Who in, you internalize almost everything. And whenever you consistently internalize what you feel, you'll never get free. You got to have, that's why the word tells us that confession, that confession brings healing because it's not the confession of sin to somebody so you can get forgiven, but so that you can be healed. Confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. There's a healing in having somebody to talk to who can hold you accountable for who you are and what you're thinking and how you're tripping because a woman's or a man's ways always appear right in their own eyes. That's why you need somebody else, and might I add married folk, you might need a friend that you're not married to. Because some of your issues need the kind of feedback from somebody whose life at night is not impacted by your response. He might not tell you the truth. You might need another sister who has no romantic connection to you to talk with. You might need a, a brother who uh, you're not financing anything for him. Because many of you are where you are because you don't talk to anybody, watch, about anything that matters. Oh, you talk, but the stuff that matters, you don't talk about. And by doing so, what it does is it allows the enemy an open space to keep your past failures in front of you because since you don't ever say that I keep going back, you don't have anybody in your life to say stop going back and leave that alone because that is forgiven. That is over. Don't you love the words of Paul? I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, Philippians 3.12, but I press on. Somebody holler, press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing. Now I'm going to lead you to healing right quick. I am forgetting those things that are behind me, and I am pressing to the things that are ahead. And so when you learn how to not just one time, 
but how to consistently forget the past. Because you can't, how many of y'all know that past failures have resurrection power? You can forget them and them bad boys will jump back up tomorrow. And then you just got to forget them again. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I have to do every day. I've got to die to this every day because the thing will keep coming up because it still thinks that it has the ability to pull you down. I mean, you're no different from Jesus. Uh, the devil, when he was tempted uh, by the, when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, the devil didn't quit after the first shot. And this is Jesus. He just keeps coming back. And speaking of Jesus, if Jesus needed friends, how do you get off talking about all I need is Jesus? Because Jesus had friends. And, and, and Pastor already referenced Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary and Lazarus was his friends. I mean, Martha got to sit at his feet and get a little extra time in. But Jesus really didn't go there for the worship service. He went there for the greens. Oh, he was there for the peas and rice. I'm telling y'all right now. He was, he, was, he, was, he, he was there for the chicken. That's why Martha said, look, sis, I know you with him and everything, but I need help over here because what him and these disciples really came for was this, this food back here in the kitchen. And I'm going to need you to help a sister out. What am I saying? I'm simply saying Jesus had friends. He had places where he sat and talked. And so if the Lord of everything needed friends, who are you? What kind of pride are you walking in to think that you can do this by yourself? You simply cannot do it alone. You and I need friends. Somebody say amen. And then, and then too, you got to flee past offenses. The past failures deal with what you did to you. And for some of us, we have a harder time forgiving ourselves than forgiving other people. And then for some of us, forgiving ourselves is easy. It's the rest of y'all we struggle with. So, so, and it doesn't matter which group you fall into. Either group will mess up your emotions and your thoughts. But you and I have to learn how to flee past offenses. So here's what happens. When you learn to forgive yourself, then it'll help you to forgive me. When you learn to forgive yourself, then it helps you to forgive me. Sometimes the struggle in forgiving me is because you have issues with you. Remember, love your neighbor as yourself. And so since you have issues with you, then you automatically bring those issues with me too. You can't really love me beyond your love for yourself. And I'm not talking about narcissism. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, you know, I'm not talking about the prophet James Brown. I look so good, I want to kiss myself. You know, I ain't, you know, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't talking about being a narcissist. I, I'm talking about a healthy embracing of who you are. I'm not talking about idolizing yourself or worshiping yourself. Because really, the truth is, can I just say this? When God looks at you and says, love yourself, last time we do that, we put in all kind of humanistic terms. Yes, you have to love yourself, and whether your hair is straight or curly, or whether you're light or dark, or whether you're tall or short. You know, I had to get short in there. You still got to love yourself. But do you know when God talks about loving yourself, he ain't even talking about nothing physical, because that ain't you anyway. The real you is inside you. 
This is just a, this is just a packaging of the thing. Now, there's scripture on taking care of the packaging because this packaging is the temple, and so you, it's not your own. It's, it's of God, and you've got to take care of it. So there is scripture to deal with that. But when we talk about loving yourself, we ain't talking about, uh, about loving yourself no matter what you look like. That's not what God's referring to. When God says love yourself, he simply means, listen, love who I have made you to be, love where I've placed you in life, love where I've called you to prosper, love who I've called you to influence, love the life I have given to you. Because all things are working together for your good because you love God and you're called according to his purposes. And so there's got to be this, this ability to flee past Offenses and not let what they did continue to hold on to you. Because let me say this to you. This is not a message on forgiveness, but I need to just put this piece in here for the folk who, who are grabbing onto this. When you fail to forgive them, you give them influence over you that they should not have. Did, did y'all hear what I said? When, when, you, when you don't forgive them, they get, to, they, they, they get to influence your life beyond what they ought to. But when you forgive people, and listen, forgiveness is not condoning. When I forgive you, uh, uh, that doesn't mean that I say you were right to hit me. Or that I'm going to let you hit me again. Oh, don't get that twisted. Oh, I forgave you for what you did, but I ain't trying to be your best friend because you still got anger issues. But I'm not going to let you make me miss what God has for me. So I won't let you have that level of influence over my life. So if I've got to talk to my friend or see a counselor or see a psychiatrist, whatever I got to do, I, what, I'm, what we not going to do is I'm not going to let you and what you did keep me from walking in the purpose that God has for my life. That's what we not going to do. And that ain't hate, that ain't anger, that's just me resolving in my own heart that I am not living in the past because as long as I am living in the past, I can't put my focus on the future. That is the exact reason why your rear view mirror in your car is tiny and your windshield is huge because your rear view mirror is made to glance at, not to stare at. So I'm not staring into my past. I am glancing at my past because every time I glance at my past, I say, Lord, thank you because I see where you brought me from. But I'm not trying to go back to where I was. I keep my eyes on the windshield because the future, my future is bigger than my past. Hallelujah. And so my, my resolve is I cannot, I, I cannot let you drag me back. You, you've got to get your eyes forward because if you're going to go where you've never been, you're going to have to see what you've never seen. As long as you're still seeing the same stuff, you're going to be in the same place. But the moment you open your eyes and start seeing differently, then you can go to a different location. But your vision has to change. Glory to God. 
How do I get out of my feelings? Well, I forget my, I learn how to forget past failures. I learn how to, uh, how to flee past offense. And, and then I learn how to free my mind from wrong thinking. And we'll, we'll, close, we'll close with that, you all. I'll learn how to, how, to, how to free my mind from wrong thinking. Maybe you never noticed. I didn't until I started teaching this more recently. That Philippians 4 is completely dedicated to the salvation of the soul. The will, the mind, the emotions, the thoughts. Watch. Always be full of joy. Starts off. Talking about emotions. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone, oh, I love this, this is for church people. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Well, y'all might not see it. I might not look, I might see. I mean, I, mean, I, might, I, I love you in my heart. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord's coming soon. Stop lying. That's, why, that's what he means. Remember, don't trip because the Lord is coming. Remember, mind, will, emotions, thoughts. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. King James says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. He's all, he's all up in your feelings, ain't he? Don't worry about anything. Don't stop being anxious. Just pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Watch this. Then you will experience God's peace. I told y'all he was all up in your feelings. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. Now he's dealing with the mind. The mind, will, emotions, peace. Exceeds anything that your mind can ever comprehend. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. All right, y'all, I didn't make this stuff up. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. <laughs> I'm just reading, y'all. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. So now, here's the deal. If he says, fix your thoughts, he never tells you to do something that you can't do. Now, you're going to need his help because he also never tells you to do something that you can do without him. Anything God commands you to do, you're going to need him to do it because that's how he works. His, God's mantra is, you ain't doing this without me. You're going to need me for whatever you're trying to do. You're going to need me. And you know how God is. God will twist stuff around to make sure you need him. Because the day you thought you didn't need him because you got that raise, he threw something in and said, oh, I still need him. You was acting all brand new. You was like the guy on the, on the, on the commercial. I'm a millionaire. I'm not a millionaire. So, so you, you thought you had it, and you realized you didn't, and then you realized, I still need it. Now, he says, he commands you, fix your thoughts, but he goes further. He tells you and I what to think about. 
Now, if God says, think about this, then that means you and I have the capacity to determine what we are going to think about. Now, I'm going to pull all the honest people in, all the lying folk, y'all stay in the back. I'm going to pull all, of, all the honest people up here on the stage with me. I want to talk to y'all. How many of y'all remember a time when you was thinking a certain way and you distinctly remember having a moment when you could have gone a different direction in your thinking and you chose to go the negative way? Because, you know, your Christian friends will call you right when you're tripping. And be wanting to give you some word or some encouragement. I ain't trying to hear all that today. <laughs> I'm just trying to prove to you by your own experience that we get to choose our thought process. The great reformer Martin Luther says it this way. You've heard it before. He says, thoughts are like birds. You can't stop them from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. They don't have to stay. You can decide, I'm going to get my emotions straight. I'm going to get me some orthopathy. I'm going to get my emotions straight. I'm going to get my thinking straight. I'm going to get my mind straight. And I'm going to address those areas of, of my own past failure that I haven't been able to get past, even if I got to talk to somebody to help me get past it. I'm going to forgive folk and move on, even if I've got to fast and pray, Lord, help me to do it. And I'm going to fix my thinking no matter what I got to do. And the most important thing you will ever do is to surround yourself with people who are also pressing to think differently because at the end of the day you ain't gonna like what I'm about to tell you you want to know your own future average out the futures of the five people closest to you you want to know what your salary gonna end up being average out the salaries of the five people you spend the most time with you want to know how far you're gonna go in God average up the spiritual maturity of the levels of the five people you spend the most time with What God puts in you genetically through salvation cannot completely undo what you put in you in church. And um, I want you to pray for me today that I'll make this decision to, to really jump in here with Cool Church and get over all my past church hurt and just jump in here. Would you wave at me if that's you? Hands, hands, hands. All right, good. Now, everybody, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, here's what I'm going to ask you. Everybody who raised your hand for any of the three questions that I just asked, would you do me a favor? Would you just say excuse me to the person standing next to you, uh, grab your purse, whatever, your Bible, whatever you have, your device, and would you just walk up here and let me pray for you? Just start walking. Nobody look around, everybody praying. If you raised your hand for any of those things, would you just come on up here with me and we're going to pray together and we're going to get this thing right today. No need us just praying and then waiting and procrastinating. Let's just get it right. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, come on today. If you want to get baptized, come on today. If you want to make Cool Church church home, come on today. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Celebrate what God's doing in the building today. Come on, y'all. Come on. Keep walking. Keep walking. I see you. I see you. Come on. Come on. Take your time, sir. We wait patiently for you. You take your time. Come on. Come on. I want that brother, that sister, who if I didn't say anything, shame 
would keep you from walking up here because you're ashamed of where you find yourself spiritually right now. But I want to tell you on behalf of the Jesus that I serve, that Jesus loves you just like you are, that you have nothing to be ashamed of. All of us have messed up really bad, including the guy talking to you. So we've all messed up really bad. So today, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to let shame you feeling bad about what you've done keep you from getting the best thing you could ever have. Now I want you to start walking now because I set you free from shame in Jesus' name. I'll wait for you. Would you make your way? Would you make your way? I don't know who you are or I'd come right to you, but I want you to come because I know you're here. I want you to make your way and I want to wait on you for just a moment. Don't let shame. If you're, if, if you're thinking, man, I don't want everybody to think I'm this or think I'm that. God bless you. Come on. I don't want anybody to think anything about me. That's just a little bit of pride. But in Jesus' name, I free you from any influence of pride. In Jesus' name. And I want you to say, excuse me, I need to go on up there. I ain't, I'm not going to let pride keep me from getting what I need from God. And I'm going to wait for you to come on. That's one or two last folk I want to wait for, and then we'll stop. Y'all pray. There, there we go. Thank you, Jesus. There we go. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, cool church. Now, now, sisters and brothers, I love you all. And more importantly, this man and this woman over here, they love you. Terrence and Joanne love you. This church loves you. Now, I don't know what your exact situation is. Some of you came to give your heart to Jesus. Some of you came to rededicate your life to Jesus. Some came to take that next step to be baptized. And some of you came to make Cool Church your church home. But because I love you, I can't take any chances. So I'm going to lead all of you all in the prayer to repent and ask Jesus to forgive you. Because I know when you grow up in church environments, sometimes you might think you're saved because you joined a church or because your mama's a Christian or because your granddaddy loves Jesus, but you have to make your own decision. So I won't, I'm not going to take any chances. I'm going to lead everybody in the same prayer. Then after I lead you all in the same prayer, then once you're dismissed, I'm going to tell you what to do after that. Then those of you who came to get saved, we'll talk to you. Those of you who came to get baptized, we'll talk to you and get you signed up for baptism. Those of you who want more information about coming a part of our cool family, then uh, we'll talk to you about that process too. But right now, I want every head bowed and every eye closed, and I want everybody to pray with me out loud. Lord Jesus, I need you. I open the door of my heart, and I ask you to come in. Take over my life. Forgive me of every sin. I confess with my mouth that you died for me and you rose again and I believe in my heart that you love me and you have the power to forgive me now I receive that forgiveness right now I ask you give me a change of mind about my sin and cause me to love you like I've never loved you before. I give you my life for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for my sisters and brothers, and I speak life over every one of them. No matter what they came for, those who came to be saved, I declare them free. Those that came because they're backslidden, they walked away, I, I declare them free. Those who are making steps now forward to serve you, I speak life 
to their decisions now. No more procrastination. No looking back. They go forward in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen, don't go. Don't go. All right. All right, y'all. See my sign? That was me, y'all. I'm sorry. See my sign? I want y'all to walk toward my sister with the sign, everybody who's in front, and we're going to talk to you about what to do next. So would y'all follow her? Would you all... in person and you're using the virus as an excuse but we see you on Facebook everywhere else can you just come on back and be with us too since you was with everybody at the club can you come on be with us too and and, and hang with us cause, cause we at least practicing some kind of safety measures more than what we saw y'all with on Facebook so so y'all come on back to church. But if you're not with us today, you want to follow Jesus, all you got to do is text the word cool fam, all one word, to 94000. So if you're watching this online, just text to that, no matter where you are in the world, and we'll send you some information and get you going in your walk with Jesus. Now, who's in the building that wants God to touch your emotions, your thoughts? Father, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Come on, y'all. Point your hands this way. I'm going to point mine back towards you. We're going to come in agreement. Father, because you've raised this church up to build strong families and strong futures, to reach people, to touch lives, to turn whole families and towns and groups around for your glory. We come in agreement today, Lord, that you're going to touch our feelings. We thank you for orthopathy, for straight feelings, straight emotions, straight thoughts. We thank you. No more crooked thoughts. No more crooked ways. No more crooked feelings. And when we have them, we're going to bring them to you. And like you did the widow of name, you're going to resurrect the thing that died in our lives. And you're going to deliver us from our weeping and bring us into great joy. And when you do it, we give you our word that you'll get all the glory, all the credit, and all the praise. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.